Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast, the only podcast that likes to do things in threes like Lewis Hamilton, except our things in threes is cutting it pretty fine before we release the next podcast ahead of the next GP. <laughs> <clears throat> Say no more. I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me as always is Sean Gray. Hello. And this week's episode, we will be looking back at the race that was the American Grand Prix, the USA Grand yes. Prix, I never know quite how to say it, the... Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas. It's a bit of a mouthful as well. Um, but the race that decided this year's driver championship, um, as I'm sure everybody knows well by now, uh, Lewis Hamilton, well, not exactly cruising to get the win this race, but probably throughout the course of the season, slightly cruising to the title, one would have thought. Yeah, I think that's a probably a fair assessment, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I mean, is it not if he wins the last three... Does it equal the record for most wins in a season? I think if he wins the last three, so I think it's certainly on for that, isn't it? Even if it isn't exactly that. So yeah, uh, cruising's a fair, fair, uh, fair comment. Indeed, no, it was good. It was good though, wasn't it? What did you, I mean, once we finally got going. Uh, <laughs> well, did, I, did you did you try and watch qualifying on the Saturday to begin with? <laughs> to, to be fair, I actually I, I was I had to be out of the house, and so um, when I came back to find that it wasn't happening, I was actually quite pleased that I wasn't having to to wait and catch up. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> there was something quite interesting about having um, a sort of condensed race format, having sort of quali, and then a couple of hours later the the race. Um, Something for the FIA, Bernie, to think about, perhaps. Maybe Kimi Raikkonen said he certainly enjoyed, you know, sort of getting up on the, the race just, day morning, qualifying, and then coming back a couple of hours later for the race. He just wants more time off. That's all that is. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants another day to sit and do nothing. Yeah, so so going to go out and have a good party on Saturday night, quite <laughs> so. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, wet. <laughs> very, very wet. Um yeah, I haven't seen rain like that really since uh, ooh, what um, Korea a couple of years ago when they yeah well, there, was, there was Malaysia as well where they only got half points. Remember? That was it. That I didn't mean Korea. I meant Malaysia. I'm sure. Did you mean Malaysia? Mean. Yeah, I did. Yeah, they got half points, but then there's been a couple. Of, there was a Korean wet one, and there was obviously there's been a couple of monsoons in Japan over the years as well. But yeah, like it's been a while since we've had a oh this actually might not go ahead kind of uh, kind of weekend. Uh, I sat up on the on the Saturday night waiting for qualifying and just every half an hour it was delayed, another half an hour and delayed, another half an hour and delayed, another half an hour. I was like, this isn't this isn't gonna to happen tonight, is it? <laughs> like no. So but like, I, I I like you, I quite liked having it on the Sunday morning as well. I don't think I would change it permanently. I like having some F one interest on a Saturday afternoon. But um yeah, it was it was nice. It was nice different change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um Qualifying was made all that more interesting by the fact that we weren't sure how many sessions we were likely to actually end up having. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's true as I, well. I quite like the idea that actually, in in some you know some degrees, Q one might have ended up makes them go for it. Well, it did. It? it really did, and it got people out on track when they'd probably be thinking, "Oh, that's fine. We'll we'll just wait and see what happens." And 
everybody will go near you know first thing in the session and then at the end of the session to see if it improves um so yeah it, it was quite interesting i was at, uh, kind of um once it got going, it was kind of a bit of a shame it didn't quite make it through to Q3. It would have been, it'd been quite interesting had it cleared up enough to be wet qualifying. When it's into qualifying, it's not quite as interesting. No, but when it's yeah. wet, fully wet qualifying, it's much more interesting because there generally tends to be one or two people who manage to find the magic line you know, that nobody else is exploiting and manages to get that second and a half lap in there somewhere to, to propel them right to the top of the... The chance. but still it was a you know a fairly mixed up grid to to start the race with so um all good fun uh with with neko on pole giving us some f- hope that <laughs> perhaps hamilton wouldn't uh <laughs> wouldn't have win the title a, have this it, have race it all its own way yeah <clears throat> um so yeah well and we started the race on um ended up starting on inters inters didn't we which yeah was, which was what was mad because obviously we didn't have a Q3. So we went from not being able to even get out and do any running in Q3 to starting the race on Inters in a space of what, like two hours or something? Yeah. Uh, between between the quali and the race. So we had two two to three hours gap and it changed from can't even contemplate going out to is it slicks time almost, you know, kind of thing. Like within a couple of laps of the race, it was like, okay, we're going to need to start looking at slicks here, which was, it just shows how quickly these new circuits drain and dry up and stuff, which is fine, you know, it's safety and stuff. But I'd, I, I wanted to see, I want, I want, we, we, like, we didn't even have any full wet weather tires in the race, which, given the level of rain that we had sort of all weekend, all through the weekend, that was a bit disappointing for me you know i wanted to see a proper proper wet race you know yeah it's been a long time really since we've seen <laughs> that kind of on track action and uh it's it's kind of funny really isn't it because in a, a a lot of ways you know when there's been safety cars and bits and pieces we end up with those interminably long delays afterwards whilst they sort everything out but it was just like weird that they kind of went yeah let's just get quality underway in the you know in this monsoon condition but we wouldn't let people race out there and you were thinking well they're not going to go that much faster in the race than they are in quali, realistically. So what well, what's the difference? Especially in this one where everybody was out on the track pretty much all of the time. At the same time, so yeah, so it didn't kind of, make a difference. It kind of made a bit of a mockery of like, ooh, ooh, in the race we'd better make sure that, you know, it's practically dry before we let them go again. It's just like, no, I'm pretty sure most of these Formula 1 drivers are entirely capable of, you know, not hitting each other in the wet any more than they do in the dry at least. I genuinely, I generally subscribe to the just get them out there school of thought kind of thing. Like you know, get them out there, uh, and and if they crash, they crash. <laughs> like these guys are professionals, you know. I, I, and obviously, there has to be some element of safety, but they've got the tires for it. These tires are good at dispersing the water. It was frustrating for me that they were sat in the garage so long during qualifying. And they had nothing out on the track, so this downpour was coming down, and it was just obviously standing because there was nothing out there dispersing the water. Like this, not even the safety car was out there dispersing the water. Like if you, no. had, if you had them out there, you know the track would dry. I was convinced it would dry, which was what was frustrating watching it. So just, just get them out there. Come on, like yeah. get on with it, you know. But it was interesting. Yeah. We saw the um, the jet cars on track, um, which is obviously a. A sort of NASCAR-y thing, really, that is where you see them, where they have the the jet engine on the back that that runs as the truck's going by, so it blows whatever off the track. Um, 
water in this case but it could be debris or or any of the bits and pieces really or oil anything like that that they do doing nascar and i thought that was that something was, it, to look at maybe yeah. for uh, other other circuits well i was thinking there's definitely got to be times where it would be um easier to do um a, a virtual safety car or a safety car and get that the van on the track to just blow everything offline mm-hmm. um and then get back off the circuit yeah, than it can, would be to wait for the marshals to have to go around and sweep everything up with um and it always seems to be like the proper old wicker brooms as well it's not like they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not like they're giving leaf blowers <laughs> yeah, or anything exactly. like that it's like proper dustpan and brush it's... you could have the safety car and stick the uh the jet thing you know if you have the safety car in sector one you could easily start the jet thing in sector three or whatever and it would at no point would it be more than half a lap behind it would always be half a lap behind the field you know yeah. so it wouldn't it wouldn't come into shouldn't shouldn't come into any any contact that so yeah i still also don't i still also don't understand why they don't occasionally do if it's something fairly small like debris why they can't um line up everybody on the grid in the racing order that they're supposed to be so that you know you you take your grid position so if you're first you take the first and if you're 14th whether you happen to be behind um first you still stop in 14th place Mm-hmm. If it's something that's quick and the cars aren't going to be stationary for longer than you know the span of time of two laps or something like that, because they they sit at the pit lane exit often enough, don't they? Yeah. Idling for thirty seconds or whatsoever. And I know the cars get hot, but if it is just something as quick as that, where they could just stop, they they run on, brush the debris out of the way, and then you know you essentially get a restart procedure. I think sometimes, sometimes, not all the time. You know, sometimes it's it's better to just keep them running. I guess if it's going to be something a long time, like the like the Armco barrier has been damaged or something like that. But if it's just debris, surely we can stop them for you know a minute and then get them going again. Even if you let the the teams come on and blow cold air into the all it would take is you know all it would take is one engine failure from that or something. And the teams would like to happen a lap later or something. And the teams would be going. You know, they'd be lobbying um, to have this, you know. The, the, I suppose. It would take one team to not not agree or something. You know how difficult it is to get things done <laughs> in Formula 1. But, well, that's true uh, enough. I mean, yeah, like, I understand, definitely get your point, but I feel like it might be just a little bit too difficult uh, to enforce in practice. Herding cats. The one, the one thing about qualifying, though, was we, we, some of the some of the fun and games that was going on up and down the pit lane was quite enjoyable. I think we've seen more Matt LeBlanc than we've seen in the last 10 years of his career, put it that way. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, we finally got underway. And like you say, Rosberg from Lewis on the grid, uh, Mercedes 1-2. After all that, all the rain, all the rain and stuff, still had a Mercedes 1-2. <laughs> Red, Red Bull 3-4, and four, not really a surprise, given that they should have a pretty good wet package, you would have think, with a, the aero in that car. And uh, Perez and Hockenberg, 6-7 and seven, uh, on the grid. Uh, sorry, 5-6 and six on the grid, once the Ferraris took their penalties. So good showing from the Force Indias as well, again, after Perez's podium last time out. So... Pretty, pretty good stuff from a team that you know we were kind of we were getting the uh, the grim reaper out for that team a few weeks ago i think we, a little bit with the, some of the stories you were hearing with the finances and stuff so it's good to see that they've uh you know, it's viable viable uh points and stuff for them you know every little helps when you're when you've got the troubles that they've had so back into the race really um lewis lewis's race was a bit like one of those stories where you go um 
good luck, bad luck, wasn't it? It was just it's like... such a weird... Yeah, he had such a strange... Like, it, topped, it was tops and turvy every two minutes. Like, one minute I thought, like, uh, there was a second where I thought he had no chance, and then when they, later on in the race he had a great chance, and he had no chance again. It was, like you say, good luck, bad luck, yeah. Well, because he, he got, you know, he got ahead of, of Rosberg, good luck. Then the rebels showed how good they were in the sort of damp conditions, bad luck. Um, then they were getting away, but then there was a safety car, so everybody got bunched up. But then bad luck, Rosberg was ahead of him. <laughs> then good luck, the, you know, after pitting and coming out then, there was another safety car that, that sort of bunched him up. Bad luck, good luck, and then he he just ended up being, you know, got the good luck of Rosberg wandering off the track for no apparent reason, and job was done. Jobs are good, isn't they? Three world championships, just like that, easy as pie. <laughs> it, it, well, it apparently <laughs> seems that way, doesn't it, really? One of his most difficult races of the season, probably, but uh, made good fun for us, I suppose. What did you make of the move on uh, Nico at the start? All fair in love and war, or...? Well, I... I I give up these days trying to guess what is allowed and what isn't because the race stewards don't seem to be able to understand what is and what isn't. Do you know what I mean? Ricardo got a penalty, didn't he? Um, What race was it? Was it Bahrain? It was a race where Ricardo had a couple of clashes with somebody and like one was given and then one wasn't and they were almost identical. And all of these incidents could have been completely either way. Lewis clearly didn't turn out of the corner, um, so he pushed Nico off track. But drivers seem to have been doing that all year, and it's not really been punished unless there's really obvious, like, um, contact. So unless the guy literally bangs and and spins off, they seem to feel that that's okay. Okay, yeah. No, I see what you're saying, definitely. Do you think that if it was, uh, I don't know, Vettel or something... And Lewis pushed another team that wasn't his own teammate off. There'd have been a bit more said about it. I think sometimes that's the case, and it's kind of understandable, really, because uh, to some extent you assume that teammates won't barge into each other, even if they're fighting, you know, for for points. But you know, as <laughs> as Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost have shown, that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> anything true. at all. Um, it, I think. I mean, this might be me getting my tinfoil hat on, but I think I don't think they were ever going to give Lewis a penalty there <laughs> with a world championship online. They'd have been the most unpopular people in the entire world at that moment in time for giving Lewis a like for Lewis to get a penalty there. It had it had to have been Stonewall, you know. I think it had to be nailed on. They wouldn't have wanted to take a fifty-fifty and give him a penalty because of what was at stake. You know, I mean, they they would have had to have been. A hundred percent. So, when if there, if there was any element of doubt, I think Lewis was always going to get the the benefit of the doubt. That's not to say that I thought he should have had a penalty for that matter. I don't. I don't think it was a penalty. I think it was probably on reflection, a, just about a, a fair enough incident. I wouldn't have given a penalty for Lewis, but for him to get a penalty, it would have had to have been completely slam dunk. Yeah. I mean, well, that's it. And, and that's in those circumstances. Because That's kind the, of a bit of a shame, really, isn't it, that we we allow the rules to be so wishy-washy. Yeah, so I mean, it's like it's like in football, you know, the referee they don't want to they don't want to make the bad the bad decision that costs you know a team a league title or whatever, you know, and it's exactly the same. The stewards, uh, you're right, it's rubbish that 
you know, these things happen in sport. But as when a human is making a call like that, it's always going to play on their mind. You know, they have to be a hundred percent, and any element of doubt, the a guy in Lewis's position is going to get it's going to get the advantage. They can't be seen to make that that call. Like <laughs> look at the press and the media, they'll, they'll go mental. So you can understand that you can understand the stewards uh, the stewards' position there. For, and like I say, for what it's worth. Probably on balance wasn't a penalty, though I do agree there's been a few wishy-washy calls over the season, shall we say. But yeah, it is, it is what it is, and 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 in reflection, it probably wasn't a penalty. So. I guess when you see what happened to poor Craig Craig Joubert, then well, that's it. You know, they don't want to be the guy. It's, it's a perfect example. You know, such it's we're all humans at the end of the day. You know, this is and yet. You have to be 100% sure, and if you're not 100% sure, you can't make the call. Simple as that. Yeah, fair enough. Talking about probably rude decisions, um, Nico Rosberg, 10 laps from the end, maybe not completely in control, uh, but certainly... In... Where, to, where to start? Eh? I mean, what do you say about Nico? Well, you know, his apparent excuse for the moment uh, was... Uh, <laughs> An unusually large gust of wind, <laughs> quite possibly emanating from his own trousers. Once he realised that Lewis Hamilton was behind him with uh, f- uh, four laps of fresh rubber extra on top of him, but um, yeah, that well, was... that's it. You know, Lewis, the safety car came comes out. Lewis gets the fresh tires. You know, before that, you're Lewis listening wasn't to the last the race, lap podcast. That, like, let's no. be honest, like that safety car, the home. Lewis F1 needed that other place. It was. He wasn't. It wasn't passing Nico, and he would have been under pressure from Vettel, I think. But. Mm-hmm. Gets a safety car. That's racing. You know, you get the bit of luck that you need. He comes out. He's four lap. Uh, so he's got four laps on his tires. Nico's in front. He's got track position, but you didn't feel like I felt like Lewis was the favourite there for me. Definitely, like just I didn't ever get. You don't get confidence from Nico when he's in that position that he's going to go on and just put it to bed. You know, it's like something about I don't know whether it's because he lost the title last season or what but when he's got Lewis hounding him like that you always feel like like it's going to happen you know uh, I just I just felt like even though Lewis had track position it was the writing was on the wall for me what did you what did you think well I certainly I certainly get the feeling that um if you put Vettel or Alonso or Button or you know even Felipe Massa and Kimi Räikkönen to some extent, you put the, them in that position where they're ahead uh, and there's a guy who's got to catch up to them and then get ahead of them. They don't get flustered. They don't panic about it, and they know that okay, maybe he will get past because he's a little bit faster, but I can make it completely the most nightmarish of tasks to make that happen i can make my car as wide as i need it to be even if that you know means that the guy behind us catches up and actually in that situation it would have been good had that happened um it's it's certainly to me feels like that rosberg is in a place where now if he gets the onus put on him to make it happen he he panics to some extent and or not yep. you know he makes these unforced errors himself. I agree, and I, I don't know whether it's a hangover from maybe losing the title last season, where like, that was probably his best ever chance he's going to have. It definitely seems to be in his mind now. Uh, I don't know whether it's particularly with Lewis or it's with with everybody, but uh, I agree with you when you say you know put Fernando Alonso or Sebastian Vettel in that position, even then they're they're in a slower car or. 
tires that are not as fresh you know they're going to park it on the apex they're going to make that car as wide as possible they're going to get the most out of you know the corners that they need to to pull just enough of a gap to hang on like look at fernando uh you know years ago when he was against schumacher he hung on for dear life and and, and vettel would do the same you don't get you don't ever feel like nico's going to be able to do that i, I completely agree with that and and i think i don't i think now he's at a point in his career where probably isn't gonna ever if he's not doing it now he's probably never gonna do it you know uh, i i feel that as well um and the, the 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 poor thing for him is that there's no other team he can go to at the moment there is just no point um but you look at the careers of felipe massa rubens barrichello his people fault. who become yeah. career number two drivers he's, he's fallen into that category hasn't he which is a shame because i like nico but but it the fact is, that's what he is now. You know, Lewis has dominated for two seasons, and and it's it's like you say that. Where does he go from here? What's the point in him sidestepping out of the Mercedes into where? Like, you know, what does he do? <laughs> end up in, India, end up partnering Sebastian <laughs> at Ferrari or something. You know, like that, yeah, that wouldn't right. make any sense. Yeah, like he's not going to be number one there either. You know, if he wants to be a leading a team. He'd have to go like maybe back to Williams or something like that, and even then you got. But if he could, if, imagine if he went to Williams and Bottas started kicking his ass every week. You know, what would that do for him? Like it's just ah. He yeah, I I think a lot of this still goes back to Spa, and I think ever since he got so publicly handled by Mercedes, um, I think that shattered his confidence about him making moves because I think he feels if he does anything wrong, the team's not going to have his back or they're, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not going to get the same kind of protection that Lewis might in the same, the same situation. I'm not saying that's necessarily true or not. Um, I I kind of think it is these days, but um, that's to be expected with the guy who won them their first championship for 50 years. And, um, True, uh, and yeah. has now just won them the second one you know that's what's going to happen you become the protected asset you know I'm sure when Alonso was at Benetton and stuff like that before he won his first championship you know he was good property but there could have been other people that had come in and gotten in front of him maybe do you know what I mean but as soon as he becomes Benetton's double world champion he's the you know you can't unseat him then anybody else is going to be second fiddle there's just no way no way about it, really. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, I, I fear that next season, especially if it's a repeat of this one, um, that's it for him as a driver. He won't ever get... Um, what it, It's like in golf, isn't it? it? They call it the yips when yeah. people yeah. can't putt and they just get it into them and it's not a physical thing. It's a mental thing. It's entirely mental, but it makes oh, you do, it makes you do things physically. Do you know what I mean? Um, and a lot of golfers, once they get it, they don't ever get rid of it. That's it. And I've, I'm kind of feeling that way about about Rosberg, which is a shame. But you know, he'll win Grand Prix. He'll make a lot of money. Oh yeah, if he stays I mean, at Mercedes. If he stays in Mercedes, and be his number two. To, I don't think he should quit. No, of course, but I mean, like. But you've just got yeah. to then eventually, if you, if you, you've got to is, read your own mind, haven't you, yeah. and say, well, 
Is he happy I, doing that, or or would he rather go and do something else? You know. You know, am I happy with Rubens Barrichello's career? Yeah. As a nearly man, and if you are, then that's fine. Take your paycheck and go on. Otherwise, whilst you're young enough, go off and do world endurance yeah. or something completely different and become a world champion at that and just say well i gave it a shot in formula one i came really blooming close but i didn't make it and i'm in a huge club of people who came very close to making it in formula yeah. one um got within a sniff of a world champion and you know just didn't make it that's it you know <laughs> it's, it's, it's time will tell but it definitely feels like it, we're kind of coming to a nico rosberg crossroads in the next sort of season season and a half i think so in third place came somebody who, um, dare we should mention, has four world championships already. Um, That's right, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and looks handily placed to probably be the person that's most likely to challenge for the next one, certainly. Um, Sebastian Vettel. Um, Fun race for Sebastian Vettel, given that he started down in, was it 13th or something? Something ridiculous, wasn't it? And I think the interesting thing was that... Um, he did something that I think Nico wouldn't have been able to do, which is drive his own race. Yeah, He had no reference points, really, to get to where he got. It, he just drove it in the way that it needed to be driven. And it was a real shame we got that last safety car and his medium tyre strategy just didn't pay off and he ended up being so much slower than the other guys because I think it would have been much more fun to see him reel in the Mercedes and, and start challenging him as their rubber started to um, to disappear. Um so we were well, a little bit robbed there, but I agree. And and there was a, there was a couple of minutes where I thought Sebastian's favourite for this Grand Prix here. Mm-hmm. If this works out, you know that, that crossed my mind. And then obviously, before we knew it, Kvyat binned it, uh, sticks it in the wall. Lewis gets to to put his fresh boots on, safety car, bunches everybody up, and and it and it's all over really from for Sebastian from there because I think everybody is more or less give or take on a, roughly the same tyre. Mm-hmm. With a dry, with a more or less dry track, it's he's not going to have the pace of the Mercedes at that point to to pose any real threat. If he was going to challenge them, it was going to have to do something a bit, you know, a bit cookie on on strategy. So, it, it, you're right, it did kind of rob us of that. But I think if you'd given him third at the start of the day, he probably <laughs> bit, your, bit your hand off. So you know, swings and roundabouts, you know. Uh, yeah, just you know, it's it's nice to see. You know, in retrospect, we you know we've been very hard on Sebastian on this podcast, and I won't shy away from the fact that when when he was at Red Bull, we occasionally accused him of only doing it in the best car. And, and I'm, the, big, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the land when it comes to Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. I, 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 I know I'm self aware. Like now he's in a red car, I'm like I'm a big Vettel fan. You know, like, that's, <laughs> that's what it is. You know, but sports, sports hypocritical at times. <laughs> um, you know, but he's really shown this season that. Um, I've been impressed. Yeah. He's got some that he's got that something extra, and uh, I think um, it, it doesn't come as any surprise that when you hear a lot of the professionals saying, you know, when everybody's having this discussion about whether Lewis Hamilton is already a legend or not, that people are quite rightly saying, well, Vettel already has one more championship, so he must be a legend. And I think when you put everything, you know, you line up all of the qualities of a driver next to each other we actually think that Sebastian's better than Lewis and kind of I'm getting to that stage. It, it's a bit weird. It's a bit like Alonso as well made well, his name I... almost bigger by doing so well in bad Ferraris. 
Do you yeah. know what I mean? Everybody looked at him and went, well, look, if this guy can do this ahead of, you know, other world championship winning partners or, you know, nearly world championship winning partners, then he must have something special because there's no way that, you know, and okay, we got, you know, Fernando is faster than you, Felipe. Do you understand? But beyond all that, he still got those Ferraris into places where they clearly didn't deserve to be. And sort of Vettel seems to be doing the same. And, you know, well, whether Kimmy's the force that he was once was or not, Vettel has wiped the floor with him really this season. Um, in his first That's season true. in a Ferrari, and it's certainly not Kimmy's first, you know, barn dance. I, I, I agree. And I think I, th- I think I said it last week that particularly on Alonso, even though Lewis is good as he's been, I probably would have still had Alonso over, over Lewis. And I'm um, with Vettel, yeah, 50, maybe 50-50. For me, Fernando Alonso is still the best in the world. Eh? I find and it difficult I, to disagree. And and it's it's harder and harder to say it every season goes by that he's not in a top <clears> car, <throat> but I'm still just about going to give him that mantle. Uh, Vettel and Lewis, it's very close. Uh, I, 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 I know, I'd rather have Vettel in my team. Because I'm a, I, I prefer to cheer Sebastian Vettel than Lewis Hamilton as a fan, but uh, on, on a pure neutral driving point of view, uh, it's, it's tough to say. Like I think they both have sort of different qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the way Vettel kind of, like you say, the way he just was able to drive the race there from a lower down position and <laughs> and and find himself in the right place at the right times. Do I think you, that goes. I think that goes underestimated in Sebastian Vettel. True. A little bit. Do, do you know how I compare it? Did, did you ever used to play Hero Quest as a child? Hero Quest, no. That oh, doesn't ring a bell. It, it might be a little bit before your time. It was a basic. <laughs> it was basically a very basic version of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, okay. And you had four characters you could choose from, like a barbarian, an elf, a dwarf, and a wizard. And so, like the barbarian had like ten strength, but only like two armor or whatever. Um, and like the elf was like six or seven in everything, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is kind of how I view the difference between those two. Like Sebastian Vettel is the elf; he's like really good in absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton has probably ten speed, but I think some of his other stuff is less than the elf. So on balance. Who, yep. You know, who do you try? Who who do you who do you pick? Do you pick the guy that can do everything, or the guy who is particularly great in one thing but maybe a little bit more deficient in others? I think that's an absolutely fair analogy. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with that. And I think Alonso is the guy who's got ten for everything, <laughs> <laughs> but, z- but zero for a car. I was just going to say, but <laughs> but unfortunately, has been only given a shield and nothing else. <laughs> has no weapon at all. But yeah. No. I, for me, they're, they're clearly the three, you know, they're clearly the three above and beyond still, even, you know, you got guys like Ricardo who's coming through and your Buttons who's been there and done it and, you know, all these guys. But for me, they're still, still the three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say so. Um, Somebody who might be, might be in one the, three, the three one yeah. day. Possibly. We'll wait and see. Certainly Mac- if you believe the pundits. You know, they can't, <laughs> you, can't wait you, to hype them up. But. If you believe the hype, indeed. Max Verstappen in fourth place. I don't really remember very much of his race, and I 
hesitate I, I take nothing away from from the fact that he's got a fourth place in a Toro Rosso because that's an, a massive achievement you know great race for him um but I think if you're talking about the person who had the best luck all race, it was probably Max, I think, in general. He seemed um, to just find himself on the right tyres at the right time. Yeah, know? he never got caught out by any of the safety cars and he always it was gaining places as other people were losing them or were going out of the race in bits and pieces. Yeah, and, and, and it's I've... worth remembering that, that when we look at the other people who got good results, a lot of that was down to the fact that there were 10 retirements through the whole entire race. Sure. Um, so, uh, but still, yeah, again, like take nothing away from it. He, he took a car that's, you know, it's got good, good package on it because it's been good in the, in the wet before, hasn't it? That's um, Rosso for a lot of many years now has had a bit of ability in the wet going all the way back to Sebastian when he won in Monza in it. So yeah, like they, they generally have good aero and good downforce, which is going to see you good in the wet, isn't it? So mm-hmm. yeah. um, I agree with you kind of though, in the sense that he, he, I don't necessarily remember an awful lot about his race, but when you when so much is going on, for once there was actually stuff going on up front in this race, so you never got to see maybe as much lower down the field as you sometimes usually do when it's just Lewis out in the front or whatever. So, But, uh, no, like you say, don't take anything away from him. Very, very good result. And he, it's not the first time he's done I, th- I think he seemed... A bit showed a bit of pace in the rain, maybe not in a race earlier in the season, but in like practice or qualifying. I think. I think, I think so. Look, I think he does look like he knows knows what to do in the rain, which for a guy his age is fair play, you know. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, fifth place on a bit of a roll. Uh, yeah. Sergio Perez Checo, um, picking up more good points for Force India. Uh, yep. At a time when they could probably desperately need them, really. Yeah, it's um, like I was alluded to earlier. You know, every little helps for a team like Force India. So Great. after a podium and fifth place, result. I think that's very good. Um, good, you know. I think he did again what he's always seems to have been able to do, which is get on to an unfavoured tyre and just make it last and do all the right things. So um, he didn't pit when others pitted, ended up in front of them, and then was able to stay in front. Um, it's not necessarily a bad strategy in this circumstance because if you can get track position and then a safety car comes in, comes out, you know, and you're able to jump back onto the the optimum tire without taking a a penalty in terms of your track position, you you therefore find yourself in a in a pretty favourable position. Like Perez has made a, almost a career yes. out of doing that, really has, <laughs> uh, and and fair play because you know he gets results. So, uh, great result for Jensen Button in sixth. Um, I mean, slightly uh, sad that it wasn't higher. Really, it sidled with the fact that he uh, had to change his boots, really, and so um, had to re-catch up with Sergio. But had Carlos Sainz buzzing around him, making his job more difficult. Um, otherwise, I think that, he'd have been closer at the end. Is that the highest position for a McLaren this season? No, didn't. Um, what did Alonso get in Hungary? Was it fifth? Can't re- can't remember something. Uh, it's it either is or it's just off one because Fernando got a ridiculous one in Hungary, didn't he? Not Hungary, Austria. No, no Hungary. I mean Hungary. Alonso. Uh, he got in Austria. He got um, a lift with Kimi Räikkönen, didn't he? I'm not sure to be honest. Anyway, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, from a pure racing result, I think probably their best result um, because. Jensen certainly fought with people to to get that result. You know, he didn't um, he didn't just luck into it. He definitely had to make moves to do it. And um, 
really it was a real shame that um, Paul Fernando had the um, the engine problem um, so close to the end uh, because for all the world, I, I, you know, he I don't know if if well if Perez only finishes two seconds behind Verstappen, you know, who knows where a flying Fernando Alonso might have gone possibly. Um, yeah, it would have been probably certainly in the point say you know what well he'd have you know he'd have been wherever jensen was he'd have probably been ahead probably one place ahead yeah so fifth sixth maybe yeah yeah just having a quick glance it was fifth he got in hungary so yeah you're right Right. well remembered so yeah (laughs) uh yeah best mclaren uh best best mclaren performance uh like you know in terms of having both their cars Mm. up there you know uh, probably the season. What do you what do you put it down to? There was talking a new engine well, this weekend. Fernando or... Fernando got it, but Jensen didn't. So this is the interesting thing. Um, what that suggests to me is that um, the work that they're continually to put into the car, as opposed to the engine, is is paying dividends. Um, okay. So yep. that to me is a is a positive step forward because it means that you know whatever else is going on, they're still developing the car in positive ways. Um, and a, la- a large portion of the race here in the second half was in the dry, so it wasn't just like they were good in the wet either. They, you know, they had a bit. Of, well, no. It, know, if were, anything, they, they were, were quite, to, they were quite they were bad in the wet. <laughs> yeah, they were able to compete in the in the dry, which is obviously your bread and butter. So. Mm. Now, positive signs, maybe at last, is there is there a rainbow on the horizon? Well, I, I think it it's funny that it 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 comes interestingly at a time when everybody seems to be saying um, we need two point five seconds and we think we can get it. Whereas a race or two ago, that was not the noises coming out of anybody at McLaren. Even Jensen Button, the perennial optimist, um, was feeling sounding really quite downbeat. But I think, you know, this this race was, was a good one for them, something that they can certainly take positives from. Uh, you know, whether Mexico is a repeat of that or not, it's going to be wet from everything that... I've been hearing and seeing, so who knows? It could be a, a good time for them to to get more points. Um, I don't know what the do you know what the standings are sort of team wise with them to um, Sauber now. Uh, I don't off the top of my head, but it'll take me about ten seconds to look. Yep, they're nine points behind. Interesting, isn't it? Because um, Sauber seemed incredibly off the boil, really, all all, all the last few races. So. Three. Just, they've been off the boil since about week two. You know, there's just been no development in that car, really. I think, but yeah, uh, nine points. There's no reason, really. You'd have to say why McLaren can't catch them. Probably there shouldn't really be. It doesn't, you know, you know, it takes a, you know, a, a four points here, three points there, um, and they've, you know, they've they've made it up in one race. It just seems to be entirely you doable. You don't want to be the McLaren team that finishes behind everybody except manor do you really? no you want to beat somebody <laughs> that isn't manor yeah i think um and i think it would be quite funny if after manor's little jibe at them saying that they'd be um garage buddies next season if they turned out not to be and it was <laughs> and it was sauber at least it would be some kind of salvaged pride i guess at that point but um yeah we'll see i think it, it at least makes it interesting for us McLaren fans that <laughs> there's now just, a target that's reachable yeah. you know before it just seemed like well we're, you're going to finish ahead of the manners and that's it <laughs> yeah you're definitely closer that's true definitely feel like you go into a race weekend thinking points isn't you know yes a million miles away 
which it kind of felt like for a long time. Jim. Mm. There was a particularly barren spell uh, in the middle of the season where Alonso retired four week, four races in a row, where just getting to the end was uh, going to be an achievement. So, yeah, definitely signs are on the up. Speaking uh, of signs... <laughs> oh, look well at done. that. Brilliant segue. Uh, Carlos signs. Now, that's a race. Um, I think if you asked me which Toro Rossa driver uh, had a better race... I'd have said it was Carlos Sainz, really. Some incredible moves um, by the Spaniard to get up to seventh from... Where did he end up starting? Was it Dead uh, last. Dead, then, then, uh, did he start from the pit lane or did he just start from... Uh, I think... I can't remember, actually. Six and a half a dozen, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. at that stage. But um, he was uh, he was not not qualified. Uh, what was his problem? Did he, did he crash his car? He, binned it. he was dead, the... Yeah brought up the red flag in Q1. Yeah, so they had to rebuild his car in what, like three hours, something like that? Yep. Um, I mean, it wasn't and... the biggest crash, but it was probably something they could have done without. <laughs> yeah, you'd have preferred not to. <laughs> that would have been preferable. Oh, <laughs> so... but that reminds me, that was the sweetest radio conversation I've ever heard in Formula One because Carlos Sainz went, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I crashed. And then his radio guy, the engineer, said, are you okay, Carlos? And he went, yes, I'm okay. And the radio guy went, that's okay, so long as you're okay, that's the important thing. And I was just like, aw, aw, that's like million, <laughs> million pounds worth of carbon fibre you've destroyed in that thing. I'm sure nobody's really that happy. But it was really nice that they said, as long as you're okay, that's what matters. Aw. There you go. <laughs> bless, bless Toro Rosso. They, they, they have now taken the place of Sauber in my affections as the, the plucky underdog that I want to see do well. My minds are minds are forced India after the recent results, but I don't know. They're kind of in between being plucky underdog and real real team. They're just in this no man's land where they're ahead of all the rubbish teams, but nowhere near good enough to compete with the good teams. <laughs> anyway, uh, I digress. Aye, Carlos Sainz, good result, very good result. Uh, obviously helped with what ten retirements was it? But you can only beat what's in front of you, I suppose, and he managed to get into seventh place. From- well, he- he definitely made some moves on, you know, both the Lotuses and um, at times the McLarens in, in between stuff. You know, he didn't have an easy route back to that um, to that finish. So, you know, impressive from a guy who's, I think, unfairly not getting quite as many uh, headlines as his young teammate. But um, yeah, good good race all round, really for for Toro Rosso. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor is making a bit of a habit of finishing in, well. The points, I guess you would you would probably say it's usually about eighth or ninth, but but still, um, you know, he's doing it whilst Grosjean seems to be mired in the worst luck he can possibly have now that he's said that he's leaving the team. Um, you can draw your own con- conclusions and tinfoil hat if you want to on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's unusual to say of you know the crash Donaldo anonymous really you didn't really see very much of him at all in a in a you know drying circuit where mistakes were going to be a plenty and Pastor Mado just drove a solid race and brought it home who would have thought it <laughs> <laughs> not us that's for sure um ninth was uh Felipe Naza um he had some kind of problem in the race I'm sure I remember um I can't remember if he got tapped in the first lap or something, because some people had come in for new noses. I don't remember if he was one of them or not. But um... right, he hits. He hit his own teammate. Him and Ericsson ah, crashed. Ah, yes, that was other. it. So Naza needed a new nose. Uh, ah, yeah, they 
they hit each other, you know, golden rule number one, don't crash into your teammate and good old Sarber. That's the problem. They think everybody's their teammate, so Tenth, <laughs> um, amazingly, Daniel Ricardo, who looked in the first quarter of the race like winning it. Where did it all to... go wrong for the Red Bulls in this race? Eh? Well, they clearly must have set themselves up for the wet. And as soon as it got dry, um, they had nothing to They offer had no whatsoever. speed whatsoever. As soon as it, they got into slicks, it was done, really, the race for them. They, they needed more rain, I think. Had it rained again, they probably could have won the race, you know? Yes. But... Uh, as it was, he limped home in 10th, realistically, with. Um, Eggs, eggs in one basket kind yeah. of kind of mentality and the basket <laughs> wasn't the right one <laughs> if so uh, Fernando Alonso finished uh, 11th I can't remember if he he must have crossed the line I guess um, his radio message was a bit sort of disheartening wasn't well, it well <laughs> I've been thinking about that because it did sound a bit like well I, I can't be asked to drive this car um because he said, "Well, we said uh, I got no power. Uh, I'm going to box." And they said, "No, stay out. You, they're still good points." And he said, "Well, as soon as I'm out of the points, I'm coming in." And yeah, you could look at that probably on the face of it and say, "Well, that's somebody who's not bothered and not motivated." Or you could look at it and somebody say, "Look, you've given me this new engine. Please don't make me break it and take even more engine penalties. Can I not just come in and?" save it and you make it work for the next one so I can actually, do you know what I mean qualify for once would be nice without <laughs> taking 350 grid penalties in one race or, or not, um, so I'm not trying to leap to conclusions on that, I, I think it could be the case that he was saying well look, if there's points I'll drive it, do you know what I mean, if I'm going to get one point then that's fine, it's better than no points, but if there's no points there's no point in you know, in. yeah no, I totally get that as well. And it, and, it, and it turned out to be a sensor problem as well, apparently. So, not it wasn't that the engine was broken. It was it was just a sensor one. So I, I guess the fact that he carried on was probably fair enough. But it, whatever the sensor was telling them was making the car not good because he was fairly well ahead of Daniel Ricciardo when he reported it, and then ended up a second behind him crossing the lap. So not great really but at least they both finished ahead of these <laughs> of the manor by a good 30 seconds still so there you go well done for the manor getting home though in a race like that you know 10 retirements and the plucky old manor stays on for 12th hey and a couple of other retirements and they could have been in with a point there so which would have been nice with alex rossi is the yeah, it's, it's home grand prix eh? yeah so. and they, it's nice that they painted the stars and stripes uh on the the rear wing i kind of wondered why a team like that who doesn't have that many sponsors doesn't do that every race because you bet that the local producers would want to have them on camera more yeah absolutely if they yeah. could get their national flag on i think that's a very sensible marketing thing if they do that in I, future. I am absolutely pro you know adventurous livery you know like there's too much boring uh cosmetics in formula one these days like have a bit of fun with it go back to the bar in 1999 where they had two different sides you remember that <laughs> i do split, remember that split up the middle like come on like let's have some fun the the mclaren this year oh, god i hate it i absolutely hate really? it. really oh, i like yeah. the, i like the black with the red i think that's nice uh that, that's probably one of my least I, I wanted them to go proper like oh i wanted i wanted white with orange or well, something, that, you know? yeah but you know that that's never going to happen <laughs> because they're not sponsored by marlboro anymore but i know but 
But what oh. the dull cars to me is is the Mercedes. It's the dullest looking car on the. You think so? I, yeah. like, I don't mind the Mercedes. I like no, the silver just, and the it's green. It's just silver, but the green's not a particularly nice green. I don't think either. And it's not on enough of the car to make it interesting. It's just a silver car, basically, with lots of writing on it. it just makes it. I don't know. <laughs> makes it look like it's made out of plastic to me. But there you go. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe that's a secret. <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, so let's look at our <laughs> DNFs. Quite a few of them. <laughs> Almost as much there's as those who one in particular right? that I want to talk about, but let's see if you can guess which one it is. Uh, Actually, there's two that I want to talk about because there was two that were quite funny. Uh, well, no, you go ahead. You, you say the ones okay. that you want to talk the about. The ones I wanted to talk about. Well, first I wanted to talk about uh, Kimi Raikkonen uh, putting it in the wall and then just, I don't know how he managed to get it out the wall again and drive it around for a couple of laps before retiring, but that was pretty funny. That gave me a giggle. Yeah. Uh, and the other one I wanted to talk about was uh, Nico Hulkenberg seems to be finding ways to get himself into trouble in the last two or three races. Like, I'm thinking of the incident in Singapore. Uh, where he, he drove into Felipe Massa coming out of the pit lane. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had a DNF uh, in Russia as well, didn't he? Yes, he had a coming it's, together with somebody, I think, as well, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he just seems to be finding trouble all the time. And it's it's just a bit, you know... I like Hulkenberg. I think he's good, but he needs to he needs to stop that. You know, <laughs> Stop it, <laughs> I'm okay. pretty sure this was his fault again <laughs> this week. Yes, so. it was. Uh, um, yeah. Oh yeah, it was uh, Danny Rick that he drove into the side, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, coming from too far back, uh, just I don't know whether it was, you know, you want to blame the conditions and say, oh, it's tri- tricky out there, but it looked pretty. He put the car in a place where it shouldn't have been. What was going to happen was <laughs> completely inevitable. So yeah. when it happened, it's not much you can say realistically. So um, there, I saw a report almost suggesting that he had some kind of rear wing. Or front wing failure, or something like that, that um, that meant that that's why he went so deep into the corner and ended up in such a stupid place. But I, uh, I sometimes feel that when it looks as stupid as that one was, that's just the teams trying their best to cover up a a ding dong by a driver. Um, that's that true, and like I say, I'm pretty sure the Russia one was his fault as well. So that's what three in the last four races, four or five races, that are really sloppy errors, you know, which is. For a guy who's got, you know, a bit of talent, you know, that we say could potentially win races if he had the right machinery, it needs to do better. Must improve, Nico. Um, both Williams out. Um, I think Bottas took a punt early on, didn't he, on the tyres? Yeah. And it didn't, didn't work, so he just sacked it and just drove in and just pitted after five laps. I don't know if there was... Was there anything more terminal in the car? Uh, it- I can't remember. There were a couple of people who had brake issues, didn't they, that they... Um, they seem to have brake cooling issues and I, I can't remember if it was Bottas in Massa I'm sure one of them had it um, Bottas ended up a lap down after about I, yeah I, I know that I, I wondered I did wonder if maybe they did just retire it because they just couldn't be asked but they don't but in those conditions why would you because you just don't know you never do know you? exactly look at Verstappen and wherever it was Singapore I think where he was a lap down and the safety car comes out and before you know it you're you're at the back of the field and you've got a chance so but yeah, he took a punt very early on on the tyres, just before it was suitable. I think they were talking like 1 minute 48 on the on they the never reached time. that. They, they didn't. never reached that. That was the weirdest still, thing. There were still a good 10 seconds, of nearly over 10 seconds behind it when Bottas yeah. took took his effort on the slicks. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was they were, they were clearly about four laps too early on that. Um, but, well, well, there you go. Um 
Will Stevens retired as well. Uh, Grosjean, did he just go off? I can't remember. Uh, I, can, uh, I think, was it not tech problems? I can't remember. Let's have a look. I, did, I just read that a minute ago. Ah, he was the one that was on break trouble. Ah, uh, okay. Grosjean had the brake trouble. He took a punt on the on the slick tires as well, but uh, not long after that, uh, the it was engineer said on the radio that his rear brakes uh, he wasn't going to finish the race the way his yeah. brakes were, so they might as well have just retired the car there and then, which they did pretty much. Fair enough. Uh, Marcus so- Ericsson reti- retired in the other Sauber. And Danny Kvyat put it into the pit wall, which is interesting. You don't usually see that very often. Did he just drop it on the Astro, I think, didn't he? Yeah. Go on the damp Astro and, you know, what, it's still a young man. It's just a driver error, I think, that one. Yeah, and he's been doing very well in the last few races, so it's difficult to put too much, um, you know, too much heat on the guy for, for doing it. It happens to, uh, well, everybody, literally. Ah, it's, we're all human. People make mistakes, you know. He was having a not like his like like Ricardo, his race had kind of fallen apart by that point anyway. <laughs> I mean, he probably would have got points, but it wouldn't have been. I think a podium, which at the start of the day was very achievable, by that point had gone out the window. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much the race. Um, one of the better races of the season. Um... Definitely. Uh, I... I mean, I can't think of the rest of the race off the top of my head, but I think it was probably my favourite one of the season, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and Russia was good too, though. So it's been a couple of good yeah, ones. Yeah, we've had a quite, a, yeah, quite, quite a, quite a couple. It'll be interesting to see how the new old circuit in Mexico is. Well, that could could be anything, especially if it rains, as this as is sort of looking likely. Could uh, be anything. Yeah, uh, it's supposed to be high speed, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, which teams come to the floor uh, floor for um if that is the case um but yeah that should be that should be should be interesting i'm i'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing it i think one another another evening one as well which i'm enjoying yes actually they they it's quite nice as a change to it's definitely refreshing flick it on in the evening and and watch a race um so with the race all out of the way I guess we should try and talk about the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast News. So, I guess the first thing we should talk about in the news is something that, god damn it, should not be news. Uh, Hatgate. Or Capgate whichever way you want to call it. This is why I hate Formula One. <laughs> it seems... I'm, I'm just so uninterested in all this nonsense that comes with two guys in the same team being... You know, if this was Vettel and, Alon- uh, Vettel and Lewis, Ferrari versus Mercedes, we wouldn't be having this, I don't think. Yeah, it's just because they're in the same team. Ro- going back to what we said about Rosberg earlier, he, his, his head's gone, you know. The way he handled himself sort of post-race was... Wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't really great by either driver, but Lewis sat there, uh, sorry, Nico sat there looking like the biggest spoilt child that you've ever seen. Yeah, he, he absolutely <laughs> didn't do himself any favours. Um, but, you know, there's there's ways and means of doing things, children, is is the way that, you know, I, I would have looked at this situation. Um, 
I'm not going to, and I, you know, I haven't in anything that I've spoken to people about this about cast any aspersions about what Lewis's reasoning was about why he decided he would chuck the second place cap into Nico Rosberg's lap because you can't know a hundred percent. But what you have to say is either way, that's an intensely disrespectful and insensitive thing to do. There's, there's no way you can say um, the guy who just lost out on the world title for the second time in a row. It was his fault this time on top of everything else, because it, you know, it was his mistake that took him off track uh, and, and gave the place away and gave him no chance. Um, he sit, he sat there clearly the looking podcast. utterly miserable and at that stage why would you throw a symbol of that defeat into his lap when he's not engaged you at all in any way shape or form why not do one of two things wander over and give him the cap and say something like sorry Nico better luck next year which even then might be a little bit insensitive, but at least you can't say that was done disrespectfully. Or go and put the cap next to him, or don't give him the cap at all, because what business is it yours whether he wears the cap or not? Do you know what I mean? You've won the championship. Get on and do your own thing. What's it got to do with you to give Nico the second-place cap and not care about you know about what that is to to that person? So that's my point of view is... The whole situation is unnecessary because Lewis doesn't take any care in what he does. Saying that, once it's happened, it is incredibly childish and petulant for Nico to throw the cat back at him. Do you know what I mean? That's uh, As bad as he's feeling, he is a professional sportsman. And that requires you to have to handle yourself publicly in certain ways. Do you know what I mean? It, it requires you not to act like a baby basically like a spoiled child even if you know your world's collapsing in on you those are two points <laughs> the other point is and this is about lewis's fans who all jo- jumped on social media to post pictures of nico rosberg with a dummy in his mouth what is anything how is any of nico's purportment of himself after the race any different than what Lewis Hamilton did in Monaco. True. Yeah. There is no true. difference. They both handled themselves Poorly. like like, <laughs> like idiots. <laughs> yeah. They both exactly. didn't celebrate. They didn't join in the celebrations. They didn't do any of the other bits and pieces. You know, Lewis was perfunctory in Monaco and Nico was perfunctory in this one. And and you know what? That's the way it pro- it should be because they've lost. They want to win, you know? But and 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 but let's, let's... You're unhappy when you've lost the Grand Prix. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too hard on the person looking sad because they've lost. You know, like you should be sad. It should be a big deal to you. You know, I just, I, I, I I don't know. I, I, this this uh, this this kind of topic of conversation just frustrates me. Like it shouldn't be. Like you said, it shouldn't be news, but it is. I don't want to talk about this kind of thing. You know, I want to talk about racing and I want to talk about driver lineups and yeah. stuff like that this i'm sick of talking about this politics between nico and lewis it's boring because yeah. you get because you get fanboys on either side you know either lewis can't do any wrong or lewis is the devil if you're a nico fan and it's like well reality is it's somewhere in between and both have done right and both have done wrong and it's just boring so 
the nice worst mash dance on it. Yeah, and the worst thing <laughs> for me is that it was the first time I thought, do you know what? I wish they wouldn't even bother doing these win. That you know, I wish the cameras wouldn't follow them into that room now. It used to be one of the most exciting things. I loved it because you got to hear them say things, and it was really interesting. But now it just seems it's like. You know, that thing has just put me off it completely and utterly. If the choice between not having to put up with that being in the public domain and not getting to see what people talk about in that room, I think I'd take the latter now. Um, Especially now as it seems that they're getting coached so hard to not say anything anymore. Yeah, to be careful, which takes takes the whole fun of it away because, you know, why, why have any, you know... The only person who doesn't do that is is Sebastian Vettel, who doesn't give a crap what he says in that. He swears and he has yep. a laugh and he does all the bits and pieces. And it, it was one of the things that's quite endeared me to him. He's since... a four-time world champion. He does what he wants, you know. <laughs> he really does. And I, <laughs> that's kind of made me like him a bit normal because he, now he's just like, he's just like, oh, that was a bit fun, wasn't it, guys? To the guys who were sat there like staring daggers at one another across the thing. And you just think, ooh, Sebastian, you <laughs> was a bit, <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. Um, I agree with you. It has definitely made me more endearing to him as well. <laughs> so out, outside of stuff that isn't news, um, actual news. We got act- some actual news. Actual news. Quite big news, actually. It's only a couple pop- of driver lineup stuff. If you want to talk about that. Well, or... I'm going to talk about something else that's only come up today, which you may not have read. If you're, using... is it about Force India? Uh, no, it's not. No. Okay. Then what, what? Okay. I don't know what you're going to say then. Well, it's, it's about one of the top teams on the grid. Would you believe? Was it about Manor? Yes. Uh, I've read it. All <laughs> no, right, it. okay. Carry on. Uh, yeah, so so John Booth and Graham Loudon have left Manor. Um, yeah, I've read Two that. guys pretty much instrumental in making sure that team even existed this season. Yeah, they're pretty much the lifeblood of that team, you know? Like, um, I don't know where they go from here. Well, it, it's a bit it's a bit interesting, really, isn't it? Um, instrumental in keeping Manor alive, but have apparently become slightly estranged from the people who now own Manor. Um is rather sad i think but these things do happen in formula one it's not you mm-hmm. know they certainly wouldn't be the first time that um happens in lots of sports yeah like yeah um, a, man- a manager saves a team and then they get taken over and you know that manager's out on his ear and because the the new the new owners want want their own guy in or whatever which is you know their prerogative but uh yeah it's, it's, it's a shame they've the, the, the become a bit you know, they become a bit sort of characters up and down the pit lane. You know, like you know the pluck, like the plucky underdog team led by two guys like Loudon and John Booth, who just you know they just want to they just want to run a Formula One team, don't they? They clearly just love what they do. So the sport will be a bit of a shame to see them go if they move on to I don't know endurance or something. Uh, that was that was what was mentioned in the thing. I do wonder if this Renault Lotus merger thing goes over because it, Lotus has been wrong by. Lopez, who isn't a, isn't a racing person, is he? No. Um, so whether they might look and say, well, look, you know, we've got two guys who have managed to keep Marussi going under all of these, you know, circumstances. They know how to work within a budget. Well, let's see what they do mm-hmm. when you give them Renault's budget, um, which will be considerably more than Man Marussi's, one would have thought, um, and, and see what they do and, and take an established pairing in there who know how to run a team well and organised and make the best out of what they get. Um, that would be fun, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see them have the shot. Like, we'd absolutely love to see them have a shot. Um, Certainly, yeah. can't do much worse than Lopez. Well, no. Um, you know, he doesn't really. 
It's not an F1 man, is he? It's just a. Is he not like a venture capitalist? Yeah, I think basically, I think he's you know putting enough money into the team to be able to say, right, I'll run it now. Then shall I? A bit like the Swindon Town uh, owner, isn't he? He sacked his manager and then made himself uh, <laughs> coach. There you go. Um, so that that I think is interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, the other interesting story is the one that I think you're going to be talking about, which is. Force India apparently to be rebranded as Aston Martin Racing. Unconfirmed um, reports at this stage. VG Malia keeping his cards fairly close to his chest, but that excites me a little more than uh, some of the some of the stuff we've had recently. That's uh, I like the idea of Aston Martin coming back, com- coming into Formula One. What do you think? Well, it's um, they're a bit actually like um. Bugatti really in that they they um they don't really have very much of a Formula One history. They have a season each. Um but they have lots of racing, you know, history. Bugatti made cars before Formula One. So you know, they've got that you know, that pedigree. Aston Martin less so in Formula One, but they certainly have um racing cars out there, don't they, in um endurance and uh, and other other uh other formula. Um, but Mercedes never really had that much of a, a history outside of an engine supplier. Really. Well, they did not in Formula One. They, they were in the 1930s, as I as I said before. Yeah, in the 1930s, true. when they were being backed by Hitler, then yeah, they did pretty well. <laughs> um, uh, they raced in Formula One for for one season before. Even if it's in. just to take over the Force India team and you know well, like, change the livery and change the brand, and it's still that that, that still. Is something that would would excite me just to see the name out there. You know, I, I think the that's the thing, there. isn't it? It's going to be the Force India team, but with a title sponsor that means yeah. it's not Force India anymore. Um, and that's okay. Even that is exciting to me. Well, do you know what would be really nice is, is if they rebranded it in British Racing Green. Really, I, I'd be I'd be up for seeing proper British Racing Green on a on a modern Formula One car. Would be quite interesting, I think. But um, talking about the livery being blue and gold, of it. Well. It's just a sober at this stage. Well, I was just going to say <laughs> that's a bit of a shame, really. There's, you know, there's a spot on the on the grid for somebody with an interesting, you know. I liked the Jaguar and I liked the Caterham. I liked the the British Racing Green on Formula One cars. I think it looks the Jaguar especially had a few nice, a new, couple nice designs over its very brief stint in the, <laughs> in the game. But yeah, like I say, Mali is, uh he's not really saying much. He's saying that, you know, it's premature. We're talking, nothing is done. You know, all of this kind of chat, but. You know the the report that's out there seems to know seems to have quite a lot of quite a lot of facts in it. You know, talking about the way they word it. You know that Mercedes has given the deal a go ahead because they own a little bit of that. They've got a small stake in Aston Martin, and you know, mm. talking about what li- even what livery they're racing and stuff like that. Like you know, it seems quite a detailed article. So there must be no smoke without fire. You know. Well, it, it goes hand in hand with another interesting article that Force India have requested that they get their prize money in advance. Um, so they're still struggling to pay their bills, which they were at the start of the season. So <laughs> that's not surprising. Um, but you know, if you're talking about again, you know, if Renault were buying Lotus, who are the other sort of cash-strapped midfield team, then Force India is the other team that somebody should come in and put money into and and turn it around. And you know, if Aston Martin want to do that and feel that they can do that, fair enough. The problem comes if it's just a title sponsorship, a bit like Newcastle renaming St. James's Park to the yeah, um, JD Sports still- Stadium or whatever. It, it kind of, 
it doesn't make any physical difference to the team. It's still being run by a moron, um, and doesn't you know it, it isn't getting the investment in it that it needs to do what it needs to do. However, if Aston Martin and Mercedes feel like making Aston Martin Racing the Mercedes B team, you know, in a Toro Rosso style, mm-hmm. I'm more interested in that. Do you know what I mean? Um, so long as there's not too much tech sharing going on, but it gives Force India a bit more budget to play with or gives them cheaper engines so that they have more budget for everything else, that sounds good to me. You know, I'll, I'll take that. I don't mind there being B teams or teams that are heavily linked with other teams to do what they do so long as they aren't carbon copies you know it wasn't like the old red bull and toro rosso used to be when <laughs> toro rosso was last year's red bull every single year pretty much um uh you know I'm, I'm down for that i'm down to see force india get some investment in it and see if that can help take them forward like, even if it's just a title sponsor at least it will bring money into the team that's clearly that <laughs> they don't they clearly, have now they clearly need yeah <laughs> so you know it's i mean look at McLaren, they don't really have a title sponsor this year, do they? So you know, it's they're not a dime a dozen, a big a big name title sponsor the way they used to be when cigarette advertising was such a prominent thing. So yeah, it can only be a good thing for Force India. And like I say, I'm excited even if it's just to see the name on the grid. You know, Nico Hulkenberg, Aston Martin on the grid sheet. That that that's yeah. that, that excites me. So. Yeah, I said the same about the three car teams. Didn't I? With, with Ferrari, have got so many other marks that they could be putting on that you could have Bugatti yeah. back on the. Yeah, on the like you say, Matt's at Matarazzi or something like that. Yeah, like get get them on there. Yeah, why not? No, you're thinking of the football player, aren't you? You mean Maser- Ma- Maserati? What did I say? Matarazzi. Ma- <laughs> the guy that got headbutted by his dad. Yes. Uh, Maserati, of course, is what I mean. I want to see a Formula One team run by Marco Matarazzi now. <laughs> Matarazzi. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, <laughs> in uh, in other news, uh, Toro Rosso say they're getting closer and closer to an engine deal, which would probably tie them back up with Ferrari, which would be interesting. Um, well, how funny would it be if Toro Rosso got a deal but Red Bull didn't? That <laughs> <laughs> would be would be quite funny. Sense. But but you you wonder what would happen then if if Red Bull didn't and they left, would they keep Toro Toro Rosso? Would they would <laughs> stick that, Danny Ricciardo in the Toro Rosso? <laughs> isn't the stupidest thing that what they could do is Toro Rosso. <laughs> get the Ferrari 2016 engine, Red Bull quit, and then put all the money into Toro Rosso, and then rebrand Toro Rosso Red Bull. What? That, what? That's that's too crazy even for Formula One, surely. Do you know what I mean? Or just you swap them around. You just put all the investment that's going into Red Bull into Toro Rosso, make Red Bull the B team and Toro Rosso the A team. Da-da, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Oh, dear. Anyway, um, so that's, that's the thing. Um... McLaren are set for, um, well, at least Jensen Button is set for um, 50 penalty points at the Mexican Grand Prix. Is it that many? (laughs) Um, Well, obviously, um, Alonso got um, his new new engine before in another race, Mm -hmm. so took all the pain then when Button was already taking pain anyway. So he was going to have to take a healthy chunk of penalties um, at some race when he wanted the new, the whole new thing. Uh, not that Alonso isn't getting any um, drops. He's getting a new uh, ICE, so that's 10 places, uh, <laughs> and possibly a new gearbox, so that'll be another five. <laughs> it's just ridiculous now. Like, surely they need to realise how silly this this penalty system is. There has to be another way of, of keeping costs and stuff, because 
It's not keeping costs down because they're just taking the hits every week. So they're still built. They're still using as much technology as they want. They're just having to come last on the grid every qualifying. Yeah. It's still, me, it still that, does... That's one of my most frustrating things, that yeah. rule. It still doesn't match their record 105 grid penalties <laughs> at, at the uh, Belgian Grand Prix. Proper grinds my gears, that one. <laughs> right, what else is going on? Um... <laughs> Uh, lots of rumours surrounding um, Vax Mustapen, um, as I like to call him these days. Um, rumours for Ferrari, but now also rumours for Merck. Um, okay. It's like when an England a player debuts and they get put in the England <laughs> squad after about a week of having one good game for their club. Like the guy's like eighteen, you know. Let him learn his racecraft. Yeah, he's clearly got a load of talent, but. Calm down, you know. Give him two to three years in the Toro Rosso and then we'll talk, you know. It's far too premature for this kind of thing. Far too premature. The guy's got a 15-year career, probably more than that ahead of him, you know. Let's not stick him in the Mercedes after 10 good races. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> People need to learn their craft. Like, you don't need to... St- even, even Sebastian Vettel took a couple of seasons before he was in the Red Bull, you know. Like, come on. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. There just <laughs> seems to be Formula One all over. Everybody's, everybody wants to have the next Sebastian Vettel or Lewis Hamilton. And um, I think somebody in another uh, article somewhere was saying that that was the problem with um, McLaren and they decided that that was what, what you had to do going forward, that you had to have all of these young drivers and you would find the next Lewis Hamilton. But all it's done is essentially wreck Kevin Magnussen's F1 career because they got into a point where they didn't want to put him in the car ahead of the two drivers that they had um, and so had to let him go and it's just kind of ridiculous really that you know all of these people are out um, not enough teams too many drivers something like that yeah it, it seems really bizarre that we're still in this um, this situation where everybody's getting young driver programs but there's like no way that they can possibly um put them in cars at the, you know at this at this rate it's unsustainable um, unsustainable really like where are all these guys going to go that every season there's only going to be you know two or three spots on the grid in in decent teams that open up for you know maybe seven or eight guys that want to go for them it's it's not it's not practical Oh, here's something you'll like. Here's a news story that you'll really like. Bernie Eccleston takes swipe at European race promoters. Uh, right. <laughs> Bernie Eccleston says that after the at the sellout Mexican Grand Prix, European uh, race promoters should take a leaf from their book. Like, what are you on, you strange, wizened old dwarf? <laughs> that it's the first race back in Mexico for like 30 years or whatever ridiculous time it is. Funnily enough. Do you know what? Do you remember Turkey used to be filled to the brim? Do you know what I mean? And that's one of the best racetracks that's on the F1 calendar. And you still bin that, you gimp. I'm sick of just, as soon as you went Bernie aside, like I've, I've said enough in the past. And he he wants the Argentinian Grand Prix back again. So, so what we'll have uh, uh, he's going to get to the point where we're going to have 54 races in a 52 week year <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'll, what they'll have to do is try and find two countries with a neighbouring border and then have tracks that 
like literally touch so that you, <laughs> they can literally finish one oh. race and drive straight off <laughs> into the pits of the other one and then start racing that one to get them all done in time. Just start having midweek races, you know. Wednesday night, <laughs> like the Champions League Wednesday night race or something. But uh. it's but it's bizarre that we're, you know, Azerbaijan is one thing as well. But then there's, you know, we're going to Mexico, which isn't exactly in the most financially stable position or necessarily crime stable position in the world but then we want to go to argentina like which is even worse and then we're thinking about going back to south africa which you know okay yeah that that sounds like that's going to be safe uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> the world cup was in south africa in 2010 and from what i heard was a bit of a disaster you know like in terms of the amount of traveling tourists and fans that went over there there's so much crime and so much yep uh, muggins and uh pickpocket in and everything like that. Like and Brazil just, was exactly the same. Just a nightmare, you know. I mean, these what, countries... When are we, when are we going to have the Iraq or Iran Grand Prix? Because, oh, like... <laughs> Sponsored by ISIS. Yes. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie would do that. If they put money in his pocket, you yep. know he would. He's already backed Seth Blatter and Vladimir Putin and whoever bloody else. Like, the, the man knows no boundaries if it puts a bit of dollar in his pocket. Yeah. It wouldn't you'd be unsurprised if he'd been speaking to Kim Jong Un about the North Korea Grand Prix, wouldn't you? Which he would probably have back to back with the Korean Grand Prix, just to you know really inflame international tensions because it's good for he makes good headlines. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, I thought that might <laughs> might really make you feel very happy about Fire the situation. Up a bit of rage before I leave. <laughs> <laughs> End on a high note, as they say. Uh, I think that's all the stuff that I've noted really importantly in the sort of... I don't of... think we covered uh, Julian Palmer and Esteban Gutierrez. Oh! Oh, I, ah, I didn't realise Esteban Gutierrez had been oh, it's, uh, it's as good as done as far as I'm aware. Well, uh, it's going to be announced... Palmer. It is going to be announced this weekend, isn't it? That's what they say. Yeah. Um, and, but Julian and... Palmer, yeah, good point. So, yeah, you know, fair play to Lotus putting the... The young GP2 champion in the car uh, instead of going for a a, uh, a guy who might give a bit more sponsorship money, uh, they've they've taken the taken the punt on on the man who, to be fair, probably probably deserves a shot. You know, I'm not sure it's the right move. Uh, I personally would have liked to have seen Kevin Magnussen in a car. Uh, whether it be Lotus or someone else, uh, I'm not fussed. But this move suggests that K-Mag probably won't be on the grid next season, which I think is a total shame. But fair play to Julian Palmer. He's done the testing in that car all season, and he's he's won the GP2 championship, so he deserves his chance. If he, if he nails it, he nails it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But at least he's going to get his opportunity. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you in that I, I think Magnussen would have been the sensible choice. Um, but, well... You know, um, what's the they, point in having them as their test driver and stuff without giving them the opportunity? They, they had him on the book, on the books, didn't they? Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of me that wonders, um, whether it's a soft appointment because if Renault do buy them, whether they'll just turn around and just go, uh, no, don't worry about it, lad, we'll cancel your contract. Here's a you know, here's a couple of million pounds, go back to being test driver because we're going to get you know, we're going to get this guy in, whether that's Magnuson or not, I don't know. So that whole Renault Lotus thing makes you wonder whether, because it's such an odd decision from them after having Grosjean and Maldonado in the car for, for a couple of seasons, you know, 
as both two experienced drivers for them to suddenly go now we'll put a completely untested driver in there you know with, with Maldonado there's somebody you want them somebody to learn their F1 craft from oh, god <laughs> just just yeah. follow me lad it'll be fine yeah I will follow you it means you can crash into me less <laughs> Uh, yeah right you're so right but maybe like you say maybe time will tell and Renault might make a change who knows but I think I'm in a difficult position because if they'd put somebody else in the car I don't know who's available that isn't Magnussen or someone else I'd have, I'd have probably came on and said oh but they've got Julian Palmer in their books it's not fair not to give the young guy a chance so yeah. it's a difficult situation you know I'm 50-50 on it I don't know. I'll try to see as much GP2 as I possibly can, but I haven't seen that much of Palmer. Not sure how good he's going to be. Uh, but even with that sort of limited knowledge of him, I, I'm with you. I think Kevin Magnussen in the Lotus would have been something to to get quite excited about next season. Which is a shame that he's not going to be on the grid. It certainly looks that way because it looks like Esteban Gutierrez is going to be in the Haas, which Mexican, uh, you know, American team sponsorship, things like that. This kind of played a part in that decision, you would have to say. Yeah. Um... But to be fair to them, they've put Grosjean in the car as the other seat, so they've gone kind of half and half in terms of talent and money. This yeah. Is be- this is better than the Sauber sort of technique of money 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 uh, but uh, yeah I mean Kevin Magnussen's a better driver than Esteban Gutierrez isn't he for a cert- for certainty well, there's, there's two or three others who he's better than as well so the fact he isn't on the grid is a bit of a shame yeah I think that's um, I think that's really true I mean that's all over isn't it really I mean the Salbers aren't anything that you'd want to drive but again you know Naza seems okay but Ericsson just seems awful Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody else is getting in that car because you know they can't bring any more money than those two guys because you know Ericsson is loaded with Swedish money and uh, you know Nasser is the bank of Brazil bankrolling him it's like well what are you going to do really at, at that point you know you either have to be amazingly talented or um, have massive backing and, and you look at the guys who are talented without massive backing they're probably on the books of somebody else Mm-hmm. They're probably on the Red Bull driver program, or they're at the McLaren driver program, or the Ferrari, you know, young driver program. Um, Mercedes have one, but they've only produced Pascal Vellin, and he can't get a drive anywhere either, apparently. Um, so, well, you've got Gutierrez is on the Ferrari one, which uh, obviously I suppose plays a part in the Haas deal as well, given that they're going to be linking up there. I'm just not sure Gutierrez is any good. <laughs> I think there probably could be somebody better uh, on on the Ferrari. If if he's the best of the Ferrari driver program, then I'm not convinced the Ferrari driver program is doing enough kind of thing. Because Gutierrez has had at least two seasons, I think, in a Sauber and did nothing that excited me at all. So maybe I'm being harsh. Grosjean came in and then went away and was a better driver when he came back. So time will tell again. But doesn't excite me. No, sadly, um, I I completely agree with you. Um. So, uh, the Mexican Grand Prix is, well, it's currently happening as we're recording this. So, again, sorry for the lateness, guys. Um, in the wet, I guess there's no point in making predictions. Are you still excited for it now that everything's done and dusted? The, just now that the World Championship's done yeah. and dusted? Uh, 
Yeah, as much as I was, because in my heart, I think I knew that the championship was done and dusted probably weeks, months ago. So no more than I've been... I'm no less excited than I was for the last three or four, five Grand Prix, I would say. Uh, I'm excited particularly about Mexico because new track, don't know how it's going to be, and because it looks like it's probably going to rain. So I'm excited for that, which is what I'm... I mean, who doesn't love wet Grand Prix, as uh, America showed? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, and I'm definitely excited about... Uh, what do we have? We have Interlagos, which is one of my favourite tracks. So I'll always, always be excited for that. And then I'm probably not excited about Abu Dhabi. I can live without that. So, yeah, the next two Grand Prix, I'm still... Even though it's over, I'm still... I'm still I still love it. Oh, no, I'll still tune in, you know. That's oh, what we do. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah, we still get excited even though it's over. What about you? You're not you're not feeling it as much? Or? I I will be completely honest and no I'm not. Um I I'm very and I'm like this about when any of the seasons really when the, the titles is I, I just need it to be to for you to give me a reason why I have to care about the people winning races if they're not my guys. Um and when there isn't my interest does dip. Um, I, I will still absolutely turn up and watch the whole entire race. Do you know what I mean? I'm still a complete, you know what I mean, Formula One mark and, and, mm-hmm. and into it and we'll watch it. But I know my level of caring about the results drops significantly unless, again, you know, it was my guy was fighting for second place or something like that, in which case I'd, I'd care. It'd be, it'd be interesting if, if, if Mexico goes McLaren's way and they really either catch up or overtake Sauber, I'll be slightly more interested in because at least yeah. I can look out for that. But, I'm not as hyped as I have been for, you know, all of the races, even the traditionally bad races. Um, That's fair, yeah. You can get into a bad race if there's something riding on it, you know what I mean? Like, I understand your point. Yeah. But I think think it should be a good race. So I'm I'm, I'm excited from that point of view. But I do do get you. I do get what you're saying, for sure. Like, if Sebastian Vettel was going into this race with a chance of becoming world champion this season in the Ferrari, I'd be far more excited than I am now. So, yeah, from that, I guess from that point of view, I agree. So, uh, I think that probably takes us fairly nicely to the end of the podcast. Let's try not to end it on too, too sour a note. Well, we, we are both still looking forward to the Mexican Grand Prix <laughs> uh, this, this weekend in one way or another. So, that, you know, let's, just, let's, let's keep the energy flowing here as we... I want uh, to see some real rain. Yes. Like, I want to see a wet race, not a race that's been raining and then the whole race is no rain. I want to see rain fall during the race. Yes. So pa- if you're listening patchy but heavy. Weather, that's what yes. I want to see. I want to see patchy but heavy. I want it to like rain at the start for the first like 10 laps, then start to dry out. And then just as it's getting there and everybody's kind of rain comfortable on slips, more, yeah. then it comes in real heavy, you know, and everybody has to slip to slip get to wet then wait for inters and then wait for slicks again i mean the fact that we had like a hurricane in america <laughs> and then and then they started on inters was just so disheartening like, yeah. at least use the extreme wets guy show some respect <laughs> for the hurricane <laughs> come on now <laughs> so yeah more rain will be fine and you know interlagos knows how to rain as well so we could end up with a few rainy grand prix in a row here so that'll be you know title may be over but let's have some fun on the way let's, let's, let's look on the bright side of life absolutely uh, and you know that we are here uh, after every race trying to make as much fun as we can um, we are the last lap podcast um, thank you for tuning in as always um, if you are unaware you can go to our website www.lastlappodcast.co.uk 
you can find us on Facebook. Just search the Last Lap Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast. Um, and uh, if you want to subscribe on your iTunes, then just again search for the Last Lap Podcast. Click the subscribe button, and if you've got time, leave us a little uh, rating and review. That'd be really nice. Um, and if you're an Android user, use the TuneIn app uh, and. Uh, connect to that again search for the last lap podcast and you could subscribe and you get the uh, podcast dropped into your device as and when we make it available which is usually about sort of uh, 24 hours after it's recorded so expect this one dropping sometime after qualification after mexico probably uh, by the time i wake up tomorrow um so once again <laughs> thank you very much for listening uh we hope you enjoyed this season so far uh, let's carry this through for the last uh, last three races and we'll see you next time thank you very much cheers guys the race all out of the way i guess we should try and talk about the formula one news <laughs> hit your computer so hard freaking news <laughs> i was going to plan it f1 <laughs>